Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Miami. Suns end their losing streak with a 108-105 win in Miami. Eric Gordon led the Suns. He had 23 points, and that was 23 of the bench's 48 points, outscoring Miami's bench by 30. Well, after turning the ball over almost 40 times over the weekend, but that seemed to be fixed. Suns win the assist-to-turnover ratio 30-7. to Head coach Frank Vogel. Yeah, we've won 8 out of 10, and uh, I like the direction our team is going, playing some good basketball, and uh, just got to get this next one. Obviously, Frank Vogel wasn't watching the two previous games during the losing streak when he's happy with the way they're playing basketball. They fly to New York today, and then they're off tonight. They take on the Brooklyn Nets coming up tomorrow evening. Quote, it's unrealistic to think that athletics moving forward can be a standalone, self-funded unit. That doesn't sound very good. U of A is under a massive budget crunch, and John Arnold, who's the acting U of A CFO and the executive director of the Arizona Board of Regents, said that to faculty in order to explain about draconian cuts that are going to be coming to the athletic department. It's going to be hard for three years to be a U of A fan. Congratulations to Brittany Griner. She's going to have our number 42 jersey retired at Baylor coming up next month. She was in a little bit of a battle with the old head coach at Baylor. The new head coach wanted to do this last year. But sadly, Brittany Griner was being illegally detained by Russia, and therefore they had to put it off until this year. NBA news, the Lakers lost 135 to 119 at Houston. There's no reason you really needed to know it other than it's funny that the Lakers lost. They're only one game away from being pushed down out of the playoffs by the Houston Rockets. Granted, we have three months until the end of the season, but it's still funny to talk about the Lakers not making the playoffs. As far as right below the Suns, Dallas won at Orlando. Pelicans lost in Boston. That puts both of those two teams only one game behind Phoenix for the last playoff spot that actually guarantees that you avoid playing in the play-in tournament. Now, for a lot of people, it's not a big deal, but it is a huge deal for people that love the NFL draft. Today starts the beginning of practice for the Senior Bowl as teams or players of college football age are divided up between the American team and the national team. And they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with really hard practices, take Friday off, and the game is Saturday. Now, the game is irrelevant, but this is the one time to see the best players that are going to be available in the draft actually competing against each other. If you love the Arizona Cardinals with all the picks they have do whatever you can to record and watch those games those practices coming up today tomorrow and thursday 
finally meet Caitlin Armstrong. She just happens to be your everyday convicted murderer. You see, she was a little upset that her boyfriend broke up with her, started dating a girl, stopped dating that girl, got back together with Caitlin, and then went to dinner one time with that girl. So what did she do? Well, she shot her. And then she ran off to Costa Rica, had plastic surgery, changed her appearance, and couldn't be found. Until U.S. Marshals got to Costa Rica, knowing that she loves yoga, they just simply put a Facebook ad out in Costa Rica asking for a new yoga instructor at a hotel. She applied and was arrested and brought back to the United States to serve her 90-year jail sentence. Thank God you spent that money on that plastic surgery, Caitlin. <laughs> Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. All right, you want to talk about energy today. Got home yesterday from a really nice appointment, probably sometime around 2.30. Walked in the house. You know, went to the bathroom before. Then went up to my chair, and suddenly it was 7.30. What just happened? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Mercs. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Good morning. Still got a long way to go. Uh, the ideas I have for the set behind me will take weeks just to let you know. So there will be straight boredom. It's kind of hard to tell when I look at the monitor behind me. There's actually a corner 
there. So I'm in front of a corner. Uh, Izzy's done a better job. He's already put up brick and put uh, some of his uh, logos and things. He's doing a much better job with his desk. I've done very, very little with mine. And I probably won't the rest of the week. I probably won't do anything the rest of the week. And then I'll kind of shape up my desk coming up this weekend. I think I'm actually skipping golf for back-to-back Fridays in order to, uh, to to get the desk ready and not be in a hurry to uh, get out of here today. Yesterday, however, what a, what a strange day. Strange day. Obviously, coming to the new location, that's always weird. Breaking out of your habit as a man. I don't know if you're like me. Incredible creature of habit. I just go. This is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. And then, oh, no, there's change, and I'm, and I'm always worried. It's if it's not work related, I'm a really adventurous kind of person. But if it's work related, I just boom, boom, you know, stick to my lane, stay in the same thing. So uh, drive to work uneventful. Uh, still can't get my key card to work very well. Everybody else seems to walk right in. It takes me. Now I'm not gonna act like it's forever, but it takes me about 45 seconds to open the door. Now, when you hear 45 seconds, it doesn't like really intimidate you in life. 45 seconds, but when you're the one standing there. Not able to get in. Uh, Izzy, do you have any issues getting in when you get here? I have serious issues. Okay, good. (laughs) I don't want to say, I don't want to act like I'm mocking you, but I'm just glad that you have trouble like me because I don't want everybody else to succeed greatly while I just fall on my face. Oh, no, it's rough. (laughs) Oh, good, good. I I hope the, uh, the building can figure out, okay, our system is not a good system. Let's figure out how to fix that. So we have these key cards that we use to get in if you come in after hours. And of course, the hours we keep, we're coming in after hours. But it's very strange, and, it's, and it doesn't read the key card well. There's a number pad on it, but the number pad seems to be for show. So I'm hoping I can contact the building and figure out, okay, is there a number key we can just use so I don't have to sit here and, and, and try to get this key card thing to work? So hopefully we can figure that out. So I get in. And, uh, and, and everything's good yesterday, good show, uh, getting used to the surroundings and everything. And then I, I, one thing I don't like, though, is I don't want to sit here at my desk right behind the camera, kind of to the camera's right, is Steve McCollum's studio. So I can see Steve's studio all lit up right now. And I don't want to sit at my desk here while Steve's doing his show. Because that would distract me if people are all walking around doing stuff uh, when, when I'm trying to do my show. So I want to be kind and do the same thing for other people. But that meant I don't have anything hooked up in this new office area to watch Steve's show like I normally do or watch Izzy's show. So I don't have any idea what Steve and Izzy did yesterday. I left and went to a lunch appointment I got to tell you about. And then after my lunch appointment, I went home. I set my DVR for the whole week. So I, I take a look at all of the college basketball top 25 games that I need to watch, all of the huge NBA games, and then all the senior bowl practices. And I set the DVR up to record everything. And then I lay down uh, on the couch and, and, or on my chair at first, and then I moved to the couch. I didn't wake up until 7.30. That was really strange to go to sleep on a 78-degree day with bright sunshine. And you wake up and it's, it's night. And Monday nights, my wife sings with the Phoenix Symphony. So she doesn't get home until well after 7.30. So I wake up, I have no idea what's going on. Like, oh, better stop watching the Suns. So I watched the Suns and at least they played reasonably well. But this appointment I had, I usually don't talk about 
potential advertising uh, potential advertisers and i don't think it's fair to them because all they're doing is meeting with me how do we know if they want to advertise how do i know it's even the right move for them so and, and sometimes i might be too expensive for somebody in other areas i really can't charge you enough to justify the value you're too big for me you know it just depends on the type of company and i like to meet with people first to see if i can help so i'm talking to this young man and he is a former guy on an academic scholarship to ASU while at the same time, I don't know how he pulled this off, working 40 hours a week at Amazon. He worked nights at Amazon Sunday to Thursday, then did school during the day. What a gamer. Well, he always took incredible care of his car. Without realizing it, he was a major car detailer. And so he's detailing cars. And then some people in his neighborhood notice how great his car looks. They start asking him to detail their cars. And all of a sudden, this detail business grew. And it grew to the point where he said, why do I need to go to college? I'm so busy and I'm making more money than I know what to do with right now. I should just stay in this. And so now he owns his own car detailing business, owns his own van, and he's looking at advancing and hiring other people (laughs) to handle demand. He's just a young dude. I I could not believe it. It was like one of those God bless America moments when you see how well, if you just want to work that hard, how well you can move up the ladder. So it was really exciting to meet this guy. And and hopefully he starts advertising with us because I do think we can help. But I just want to let you know, I love his story so much that if he decides to start uh, becoming a sponsor of Doug Frauds Unplugged, I am going to be pushing him hard. I just really, I I root for those of you that are entrepreneurs uh, like crazy. I mean, you are the backbone of the country. Uh, No negative thoughts to big entrepreneurs, you know, big companies that, um, that, that hire, you know, 600, 700, 10,000 people, whatever it is. Great. I'm glad you built your company up. But it's those small entrepreneurs that had a dream, took a shot and made it work and treat their employees the right way that, man, I just I I salute you guys. You guys are the reason why so many of us have jobs. And it's just really cool to watch somebody build something from the ground up on sweat equity. So I'm a huge fan of this company. I'll tell you more about it if they start advertising but uh ivan thanks for meeting me for lunch yesterday it was a, it was a great time um let's see sound credits today sun's youtube channel i was so thrilled to find this sun's thank you i don't know why it's really hard to find your youtube channel i don't mean find it like you can just search and then find and subscribe but i mean very rarely do they record frank vogel post game have good audio attached to it and then get it out for people to watch quickly. And they nailed that yesterday. It was only about an hour and a half to two hours after the game. And there's Frank Vogel. And we were able to, uh, to use some Frank Vogel stuff. So I was jacked up for that. And then a strange sound credit today. How long is that? How, how much did I have you guys pull? It was about two and a half minutes. Kurt Warner. I, I, I watch his quarterback confidential all the time all the time it is such a fantastic way to learn the game and he is so knowledgeable and i've had so many great conversations with him in the past and i really appreciate 
just how well he knows quarterback play. And it's and I have a theory. If I can get a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, even a Pat Mahomes who doesn't run as much as they do, but is a good runner, a Josh Allen. If I can have a great running quarterback, of course I want that. But I don't want you to run to substitute being able to read defenses. If there's something about, and Kurt's going to get mad at hearing this. I don't know if he's in the Unplugged Army or not, but there's something about being an unathletic quarterback that becomes a rate of survival. The only way I can live is if I escape the rush by getting rid of the ball because I'm never going to be able to escape the rush by running away from you. So therefore, since that's not an option and I don't want to get hit, I'm forced to be better at reading the defenses, getting the ball out on time and making an accurate throw so you can get yards after the catch. And the Tom Brady's and the Kurt Warner's of the world that were more statuesque, Dan Marino, they have that innate ability. Now, I actually believe in time to come there's fewer of them than there will be of the athletic quarterback. But it's a negative if Josh Allen reads one receiver, two receiver runs. That's, that doesn't do you justice. You will always be able to do more damage with your arm and brain than you are with your legs. And there's always an increase of, um, I would say, potential for injury when you run. Now, as I say that, there's obviously examples where I'm wrong. The NFC Championship game. If it wasn't for Brock Purdy's legs, I assume the 49ers would have lost the game. But his legs in the second half were just a fantastic weapon of him being able to annihilate the Lions' second-half defense. So there are games in which you can prove me wrong on my opinion. But I think over the long haul, I'm not saying I want a statue at quarterback. I'm saying I want a guy that takes reading the defense first, well before we even consider running. And uh, when we play some of Kurt Warner's quarterback confidential from Twitter, you're just, I think you're going to be blown away at how well done uh, that is and how much you can learn by watching it. So I want to play that for you today. And I, and I think that's it. Uh, Izzy, is that anything going on in your life? Oh, no, everything's been good. No, okay. Uh, what's coming up on iOS today, even though you haven't had a, a chance at all to get ready for your show yet? <laughs> well, we're talking about Suns. I mean, more. We're, we're talking about the positives, but I'm, I mean, we're always going to talk about the negatives as well. Yeah. You know, off the rebounding, I think it's just a mess. It's oh, improved, yeah. but yeah, we're going to get into the Suns mainly. That's good. For, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jeff Weir Production is now going, he's here, but he's now, Jeff, I don't know if you're close by. What is it that you do now? Because you like run around like crazy what all are you into and uh, and and why uh izzy will be helping me out a little bit more we're kind of um splitting the editing duties okay. in the mornings okay so we're kind of helping each other out with your show steve's show and i will be producing um hanging with coop oh okay okay Full time yeah okay it's kind of interesting listening to you say that because in in a very kind way you basically said you're high maintenance doug and therefore, uh, we've got to do all this for you, and then we'll go out and do other things for other people. Well, we're just trying to keep me from coming in at 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So I can stay longer in the afternoons. Oh. Because oh. I'm coming in so early before, is, you know, I'm coming in at 1.30, 1, 1.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm having to get out of here at noon. Yeah. You know, when Izzy's show was over, but... 
I'll be able to stay longer in the afternoons now, and that that means I can get more editing done after everybody goes off air. Okay. So. Okay. Well, are you enjoying it, or is this day one of that? Well, I'm still coming in early. Okay. To make sure the transition with Izzy, you know, full time producer on your show, uh, kind of goes smoothly. Oh, so. good. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, that's that's cool. So Jeff Weir Productions still around. We'll have to uh, every now and then, whenever you you know are doing something, we'll have to have you walk by the camera and just say hi uh, every now and then. Do you guys have a camera in there yet? Like, uh, can I see you? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Oh, look at that! Look at that! That's a lot bright. Well, uh, that is it brighter because Izzy's in charge now. Because I'm not used to seeing Jeff Weir Production in in the light. We have a light in here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we well, there was a light in the old studio, and you would just hide. <laughs> I like the dark. Oh, okay. I'm okay. I'm a nocturnal creature. Um, I, was, I was getting ready to do Doug's big one, and something strange just happened. On my computer, a text popped up from Zell, and it says, You have received $1 <laughs> from Deborah Franz. Yes. My mother sent me a dollar. <laughs> It's good luck, right? I guess. I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I just, I, I'm dying to know what I need. The t- Thank you. That was that was very very kind of you. All right. Well, if I just sit here long enough, maybe I'll make another dollar. I don't know. That's that's that was that was kind of interesting. Well, I'm that much closer to a White Castle sandwich or something like that. That's kind of uh, exciting. All right. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today. I never in a million years thought I would talk about U of A finances as Doug's Big One. But I was shocked when I read the article in the Arizona Republic about some of the comments of John Arnold, who is right now the executive director of the Board of Regents. And I admit I haven't followed every aspect of this story. But I believe because the financial situation at U of A is so bad, he was brought in as the acting CFO because it was kind of like, hey, we need to now have the Board of Regents in charge because all of you people couldn't do it. I don't know if they can't do math in Tucson or what, but somehow they're running out of money. So he's the CFO. So this is what he comes down there to say. The UA community will have to discuss what they want out of its athletic programs going forward. It is just unrealistic to think that athletics moving forward can be a standalone, self-funded unit. All right, there's there's so much buried into something like this, okay? Number one, presidents have a great deal of power. That is true. But there's also enough people like a CFO, like other people, like a board of regents, like people in the university group that can block a president from doing different things. So idea number one, that it's all Dr. Robbins' fault is a little bit of a falsehood. But number two, Dr. Robbins, you, the buck does stop with you. So the fact that Dr. I, like, I, I feel so stupid being in a position as a talk show host that knows sports to be talking about running a university. But I'm just amazed at as big as we are as a state now 
that the people we have running our two major institutions, with all due respect to NAU, is Dr. Crow and Dr. Robbins. So you have Dr. Crow who lives in a utopian world that athletics should go back to the 1970s policies, and he's shocked at the way it is now, and somehow thinks ASU can compete at even a local level, I mean even regionally in the Big 12, with this utopian idea of how it should be in sports. If that's what you believe, Dr. Crow, go back and join an NAIA conference. Become Division Three in the NCAA. Your ideals do not coincide with big boy college athletics. So you've got to get out. That, that's the only thing. And when you look at the amount of money Dr. Crow has blown on salaries for Herm Edwards and Ray Anderson, and either Dr. Crow was totally on board and complicit with the cheating, or Dr. Crow has funded it by paying these guys anyway. It's a joke, and the Board of Regents don't do anything about it. Then you look at Dr. Robbins, who has spent this institution into oblivion. It's, it's amazing that this is acceptable. I mean, I do not understand how you and I cannot get these jobs like this. Why aren't we in charge of multi-million dollar budgets? Because we're going to do better than they will, obviously, by looking at the jobs they're doing. And then to hear a stat like or a statement like this, if I'm a U of A fan, I am incredibly worried. No, I don't think Tommy Lloyd's just going to walk out right now. I don't. But for a university that has so much pride in its basketball program, packs the building almost every night for its basketball program. For the Board of Regents to say, athletics is no longer a standalone institution. That's incredibly poor. Because how is the SEC doing it? I mean, when you say that, you're saying athletics can't. No, 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 sir. The way you guys run athletics cannot be a standalone institution. If you actually have people other than Dr. Robbins running the university, if you actually have people other than Dave Hickey running the university, if you actually sign people like Jed Fish as soon as it needs to be done and you're not blowing your money on so many other things as you did as an institution, You don't have academia all bent out of shape at athletics. How does Stanford do it? How does Stanford compete? Now, they're not very good right now in football and basketball, but across the board in Olympic sports, they're very good in just about everything. And you look across the SEC, what do they do? They have connections with their boosters. People are heavily involved in the institution. They want to give you money, and they're able to raise the money because they work hard. They invest in people, unlike ASU and U of A. There are, I don't know about U of A, but there are so many good people in the Arizona State Athletic Department. And it doesn't matter when you hire people that cheat and you hire people that can't lead. And that's what they've done, athletic director after athletic director after athletic director at Arizona State. And then when I get on ASU fans or I get on people for not selling out games and stuff like that. I know what I'm telling you is right, but I also am pretty understanding of why you don't embrace ASU fully. 
because you know you've got Dr. Crow and you know you've got bad athletic directors and you probably feel like what difference does it make? And honestly, I don't know. (laughs) And don't trust me, that is not Doug's big one. But I don't know. I do think you can overcome the ineptitude of Dr. Crow, his cronies, and the people that he hires. And U of A, I, I do think the same thing. I totally believe the same thing. But it's almost like we've got to come back and take over our own universities. Clearly, the Board of Regents can't get the job done. They don't have the courage to stand up and remove Dr. Crow or remove Dr. Robbins. They're too afraid. That means they're not leaders. And I stare at the governor and I blame her for it, but don't think I'm making that political because a lot of those people that are on the Board of Regents got their appointments under Governor Doug Ducey. So I'm blaming both of them. And the only way that we can take control of that is to really have our voices heard by voting people that are in offices of any state office or governor and just keep voting people out until we get somebody in that position that's going to hold these people accountable in the Board of Regents. Now, I can only comment on this stuff within an athletic department aspect. I am way too ignorant to be talking about how to run an actual academic institution when we're coming to the chemistry department, academics, professors getting tenure, writings, discoveries, inventions. Okay, that is so far out of my league. I have no, Dr. Crow and Dr. Robbins might be fantastic at running those aspects of their universities. They might be the worst that have ever done it. I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't trust my opinion enough to give it to you. But when it comes to athletics, I do know about athletics. I do know better than those two how to run athletic departments. And they continually embarrass themselves and the Board of Regents just lets it go. Doug's big one today is we need people that are actually real-life leaders, either A, on the Board of Regents, or B, in the position of president of the University of Arizona and Arizona State University. And right now, we don't have that. All right, coming up next. Got a lot of Suns to go over. Looked pretty good against the Suns. Excited about what we saw against the Suns yesterday. However, is it another round of false gold or is something better going to start coming along the pike? We'll talk about this long road trip and see if it gets better. Today's also a Town Hall Tuesday. Can't wait to do a football breakdown, breakdown, breakdown with you. And we're still rolling pretty good in versus Vegas. Got a lot coming up before Steve McCollum takes over at 8 o'clock. My name's Doug Franz. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. 
And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Robert C.A.Z., you're coming up in uh, Town Hall Tuesday. He, uh, he said something interesting, and it'll get fixed, but I'll, I'll leave you hanging on, uh, on what he said in just a second. Got a, can't wait to get to the Kurt Warner stuff. Can't wait, but I want to get to Suns first. Suns a winner yesterday, 118-105. The, some of the stats of this game are really important to show things could be changing. But one of the stats show things are still the same, and this is not a play. A, they're a playoff team in the sense they'll make it, but they're not a championship contender right now at all. They won the bench scoring 48-18. to 18. That's a fantastic number. And that has a lot to do with as long as Nurkic starts, Eubanks is playing really good with the second unit especially if there's another starter or two in there. He does really well at, uh, at helping out the bench unit. And then Gordon shot the ball well. So that changes everything. So the bench rarely helps win games for the Suns. And yet to outscore the, uh, the opponent's bench by 30 was enormous. And another really positive stat, 30-7. to 7. That's assist-to-turnover ratio. We talked about this... Um, I think it was yesterday. It might have been last week. There's, that, that's one of the most vital stats in basketball assist to turnover ratio. What that means is how many times you're making the pass that sets up the shot and how many times you're turning the ball over and getting no shot. If you have low assist numbers, it's usually because you're playing one-on-one basketball. So then even if you make shots in one-on-one basketball, the defense isn't working all that hard. So usually that translates to the other team having good offensive numbers. And a lot of time low assists either result in one-on-one basketball or you didn't get an assist because you turned it over. A high assist to turnover ratio, and in this case 30-7, to seven, which is a little over, uh, it's probably about 4.2 off the top of my head, which is just fantastic to be that high as a team and you if you watch the game you saw it so much I mean it was night and day compared to the Indiana and Orlando game the ball was popping and more importantly people were popping people were moving and that was causing problems for Miami's defense and then I think it relates directly to the field goal percentage 49 for the Suns 39 for Miami Suns did play a little better defense, but for the most part, when you make guys work so hard on the defensive end on the other side, they can't get their field goal percentage up 
because they're not getting steals. They're not getting live ball turnovers. They're not being able to run the floor and getting layups and dunks or even getting open three-pointers as you're shifting around. When a team gets a steal or is able to get up the floor quickly after a rebound, you're kind of scrambling defensively. When you scramble, it's easy to catch somebody in a mismatch. When you catch somebody in a mismatch, you can either drop it down low for an easy bucket called a mouse in the house, somebody small guarding a big, or it makes it easier once you dump it down low since everybody's scrambling, they all kind of pile into the paint, and now you get what's called a kick-out three. Got the ball inside, a paint touch, you kicked it out for three. Hopefully I'm doing a good job of using cool basketball terms, but at the same time easily explaining it so you can enjoy the game as much as people like Izzy and I enjoy the game, scouts enjoy the game, coaches, things like that. It's it's really adds an element. And if you already know this stuff, hopefully I don't I do a good job of moving quickly enough through it that I don't bore you with stuff that you already know. Because I don't want the show to be an elementary show, but at the same same time i want to lift people in the unplugged army that might not know this stuff so they love it the game as much as we do well the suns moving the basketball was great now here's the stat i told you about that shows same old same old fourth quarter miami 31 suns 18 this is no longer a small issue this is no longer a simple trend this is a This is a fatal flaw to the point of embarrassment. And coming up in a minute, Frank Vogel's going to act like it's no big deal. And that is driving me crazy. I don't like, I think that's the wrong attitude to take 31 to 18. You just lost back to back games because you embarrassed yourself in the fourth quarter. Now the first game of the road trip was more about you just stinking, But the Orlando game was 100%. You embarrassed yourself in the fourth quarter. Now you've got a big lead and you do it again, losing 31 to 18. The reason why that matters in a game like this when you still win 118-105 is because through the course of the season, like right now, this is a tough little stretch. Not only is it your longest road trip of the year, but it's the deadly three games and four nights that they're playing. At Orlando, then at Miami on a back-to-back, off today, fly all the way to New York from Miami, play Brooklyn tomorrow. Three games, four nights, that's tough. And you had an opportunity to blow somebody out, so what happens? Your starters are on the bench. That's what you want. Starters on the bench. Now they're able to rest. If you don't mind me cheating, I believe the big three all played 30 minutes apiece. Do you mind if I look real quick? Durant, 42 minutes on a 48-minute game. Beal, 39 minutes. Booker, 41 minutes. That's atrocious. Now, I'm not saying it's atrocious coaching because the fourth quarter started to melt down and you brought guys back in. But that is terrible. You are up as big as the Suns were up going into quarter number four. I mean, I believe that it was something like, oh, I think 100 to 74. That's off the top of my head. But after three quarters, I think it was like 100 to 74. And you end up 
needing to bring everybody back in or needing to play people because you say, you know, I'm fearful of the fourth quarter. You lose out on these gifts that you're given of big wins to rest starters. So then it doesn't feel like three games and four nights anymore. That is, this is a major issue. Okay, let's get to Frank Vogel. The first one is a compliment. I told you 48-18, bench scoring, fantastic. Frank Vogel throws the bench a bone. Yeah, proud of those guys. And that's what it looked like on a second night of back-to-back. You know, your starters carry a heavy load the night before, and any role players got to come in and uh, you know, bring that energy. And uh, those guys uh, not only played well, but scored the ball well. We don't usually get that type of offensive production from those guys, but a uh, you know, great night for our bench. They, they deserve a free plug, so I wanted to give that. Okay, back-to-back quotes about the fourth quarter. The first one is about fourth quarter three-point shooting. Suns were doing great shooting from three during most of the game. They ended up, however, at 35%. That's good as a team. Not That's good as a team to be 35%. But 14 out of 40, the catch was they were a lot better going into the fourth quarter. Then Miami's three-point shooting picked up in the fourth quarter. Frank, what do you, Coach, what do you have to say about the uh, fourth quarter threes? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things of the fourth quarter last night, we passed up a lot of threes and only took 14 for the night. And uh, so our guys were, were aggressive shooting it. And then at fourth quarter tonight, we just didn't make any. <laughs> it was one, one of those things. Um, but I love the looks that we were getting and I love that we were aggressive taking them, you know. I like that. Whoosh, whoosh. That was a double, double whoosh. Do you want to know why? Because I was yapping. That was all on me. But it's just funny to make it sound like it was Izzy or Jeff's fault. Whoosh. Um, Okay. I I don't – the frustrating thing about that is Eric Gordon's hitting threes before and the ball's moving and the ball movement stops. There is something that's important in the fourth quarter. And in that fourth quarter, that is important to be able to – oh, thanks, Jeff – is to be able to handle – I need water – is to be able to handle the clock and at the same time not change who you are. What that means is you are able to build – a nice 20, 25-point lead with great ball movement and taking the the best shot you could get. That shouldn't change. The mindset becomes, hey, we're up big, we need to eat clock. Okay, what that means is don't take dumb chances. If you're on a two-on-one and you get an open look, I don't care that it's only five seconds into the shot clock. You're wide open, shoot the ball in rhythm, keep up your aggression. However, if you come down two on one and the defender actually reads the play, don't feel like you have to force it because as if you're trailing. Don't feel like, hey, it's two on one. We've got to get a bucket. And you kind of force it a little bit. Just say, okay, you won this two on one break. I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to pull it back out. I don't care that a two-on-one turned into a five-on-five. There's no need to force tempo when we weren't able to execute. Just eat it. And then try to be aggressive again in your five-on-five and get a good look. That's all that means. It doesn't mean get the ball across the timeline, stand there for 12 seconds until you get single digits on the shot clock, 
I, and I, when I say that, I mean I know it takes 14 seconds to get single digits on the shot clock. I mean that more in the time that you've taken to get it over the timeline. Don't just stand around and then say, okay, now we're going to run an offense with eight seconds left. Run your offense. Just take advantage of having the lead by making sure, is this a good shot? Force nothing. If you're down by 18 points, if Kevin Durant's covered, he's open. Get in the ball. If Booker's covered, he's open. Get in the ball. Let it fly. It's all right because you're Kevin Durant. You're Devin Booker. Our best chance to come back is when you've got the ball and you're shooting it. Go ahead. That's different when you got the lead. Understand how to play with the lead doesn't mean drop all aggression. And that's what this team does. And they did it again. And this isn't about push the panic button. This is push the problem button. Admit you guys stink and fix it. And that's it. And Frank Vogel was asked about the fourth quarter issues. And again, he acted this laissez-faire. I'm sure it'll come back around. We'll be all right. Yeah, we just got to get 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 through the mental hurdle of it. You know, for whatever reason, we've had some you know some letdowns in the fourth, and uh, our guys are talking about it. We're working on it each day. Um, you know, just trying to be poised. You know, not 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 trying to you know put too much pressure on it. You know, and just just go out and play relaxed, but play focused. I, I, the reason why I don't like that answer is if any part of it's true, we've got a huge problem. And if any part of it's not true, then Frank Vogel is not addressing the problem. Let's act like it's true for a second. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal have a mental hurdle about the fourth quarter? You said we got to get over the mental hurdle. What? A Hall of Famer, a probable Hall of Famer, and a former All-Star have a prob- have a mental hurdle in the fourth quarter. Really? How is that? How in the world is that? Or it's not a mental hurdle. And the problem's you, Frank. Or the problem's your rotation. If he would still hold true, listen, I know it doesn't make sense to fans, but this is still a limited amount of time for us to have our true rotation. We are supposed to have a starting lineup of this. I don't even know what the starting lineup is. I think it's Grayson Allen over a Kogi, but it's Nurkic, Beal, um, Booker, and Durant. That's our starting five. So then the rotation is when we take Beal out, when we take KD out, second and fourth quarter starts without Devin Booker, and we move the pieces around. So then each grouping of guys has to develop their own level of chemistry. I'm actually understanding of that. But at what point do we say, you guys are professional, go play basketball. Don't worry about chemistry. Go play professional basketball, make good decisions, move the ball, fight hard on defense, and do it for an entire fourth quarter. What is it? Is it fatigue? Is it conditioning? Is it low basketball IQ? Are you not a good coach in those situations? What is it? And figure it out. And they still haven't been able to do it. And that's why I don't like point one of it's a mental hurdle. We're still trying to get over the mental hurdle. Man, you've got mentally weak players if they have a fourth quarter mental hurdle with the amount of talent they have. If it's not a mental hurdle to get over, 
Well, then the second part you said, you know, hey, we're doing some good things and this will happen. No, you're not doing good things. You're not executing. You're not hustling. You're not taking good shots. You're not playing good basket, high basketball IQ level game in the fourth quarter. Say it. Why are you worried about being soft on the guys? It sounds like to me a coach that's uncomfortable coaching superstars. I don't want to alienate my superstars. No, that what that means is you don't want to lead, Frank. Now, I'm very cautious here because I do want to give a little bit of room. Coaches don't always say to us as fans and media what they're saying to the players in the locker room. Frank Vogel might be dropping the hammer on these guys. If he is, then why have they checked out and not listened? And if he isn't, why not? How long do these fourth quarter woes go while he still says, you know, it's all right. We got things to work on. We won eight of our last 10. It's okay. Frank, it's not okay. A problem that lasts three months in an NBA season is not going to be erased in a week. Um, One of the things he was thrilled about, and he should be thrilled about this. I told you about that assist to turnover ratio. 30 to 7 is absolutely fantastic. What was the key with the lower turnovers, coach? Yeah, we were getting great. We were getting great looks most of the night. Um, even early in the game, we we're going going back and forth between their man and zone, and um, you know we just want to keep touching the paint, being aggressive, and playing for each other. You know, no force type of offense. You know, a second defender comes to the basketball, um, you know, make make the extra pass, and uh, our guys did that most of the night. What's good about that? Okay. Number one, we're making shots. Okay, but why? You're making shots because of that extra pass. Double team comes, boom, get rid of it. I was really happy with the offense, and I hate to say this, especially with Grayson Allen having zero three-point attempts. Usually, that's a fantastic sign of futility, okay? Try to turn a negative into a positive. Because if he doesn't have any three-point attempts, that means the ball's not popping. You're not moving the ball because, of course, KD's going to get a double. Booker's going to get a double team, which means the ball should find Grayson Allen for three. When he has no three-point attempts, that means the ball wasn't moving. That wasn't the case. What the Suns were able to do is a lot of times in this game, they had two on a side playing two on two, and those two kept rotating around. If you know hockey, it's the cycle play in hockey. It was quite a bit, throw it down low, get a paint touch. Guy that made the inlet, the, uh, the, the interior pass, was able to move, get the ball back, and then maybe even give it back to the big, while the other three defenders are trapped on the other half of the court because the other side of the court, the weak side of the court, because of the shooters that were over there. And with them playing tight to shooters, trying to take away the three ball, the Suns were more easily able to get two guys into a two-man game, which either created a bucket in the paint or a kick out to the guy that had been who had given the inlet pass to get it down low. Really sound offense for a lot of this game, which led to what Frank Vogel referred to, only seven turnovers total in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we were we were really good all throughout the game, and and honestly, uh, the looks we were getting against the zone in the fourth, they went, the fourth quarter was you know they were playing the zone earlier than that, but the fourth quarter they were just extending and gambling, you know, so they're they're flying all over the place trying to force turnovers. To our credit, we had an eight turnover night after having 19 and 23 the two two prior nights, and uh, our big three had two turnovers. Okay, 21 assists, two turnovers by by, by KD Book and Brad. Uh, so that's a special night from the, from those guys, and um, you know I like the looks we got in the fourth quarter. Like I said, I mean, got great looks time and time again. We just didn't make a lot of them in the fourth quarter. It's funny. He said eight turnovers, and I should have looked. The individual players had seven turnovers, but the team had eight. There was an extra team turnover, and I, I didn't realize that. So I see why he said they had eight turnovers. But looking, I didn't realize that stat about the big three. 21 assists, two turnovers. That's an unbeatable number. If they consistently do that, the Suns are probably getting to the Western Conference Finals and losing to Denver, <laughs> something like that. If they, if they keep that, that's one specific number, and it's not going to happen very often. I'm just saying that's that means you're playing that well for the Suns to be able to uh, to do that. So the Suns are on a a massive road trip. And in starting the road trip, they really uh, laid an egg at the beginning of it in which they went um, to Dallas and, and won. But then, and that was when they actually played well, then lost two in a row at Indiana, at Orlando. Now they beat Miami. Coach is trying to really promote, hey, we've won eight of our last ten. Wanting to ignore how bad the fourth quarters have been. This is this stretch, too, where now they hop across the country. They, they're, they're in the south, yet they're going to fly up to New York. Then they're going to fly back to the south and play Atlanta. Then, or to the mid, yeah, to play Atlanta. Then fly back up north a little bit to the mid-Atlantic to play D.C. before they finally come home. And guess who greets them? Milwaukee, who's going to want to impress Doc Rivers. And then, I'm not going to say hot, but an improving Utah Jazz team before they go back out uh, on the road to Golden State. So we're going to learn a lot in this road trip. Right now what we've learned isn't pretty, but they can obviously finish strong. But keep in mind, this is a stretch of games where most of the teams that are playing are 500 or below. In this um, winning streak slash eight of the last 10, the coach is bragging about. Lakers, right now barely a playoff team. Portland, not a playoff team. Sacramento, good team. New Orleans, good team. Indiana, good team. Sorry, Izzy, Bulls, not a good team. Dallas, below average. Indiana, good. Orlando, good. Miami, well below average. Now they're playing Brooklyn, who's struggling. Atlanta, who's terrible. And Washington, who's worse. So, I mean, they're somewhat taking care of business, but you can set the bar very, very high against this stretch of games. All right, so Suns off tonight and then in Brooklyn tomorrow. Now I want to move to something dramatically different. I want you to watch this from Kurt Warner. This is Kurt Warner's quarterback confidential and how he goes deep into different elements of quarterback play. And he broke down, uh, broke down, broke down, broke down uh, everything from Lamar Jackson. So it's a 35-minute grab of different third downs. And he focused on all of the third downs 
of the Baltimore Ravens. And I believe they went 3-11 and in those third downs. So I asked Izzy and Jeff Weir Production to just pull one play, one segment, of quarterback confidential on one of the 11 third down plays. And the amount that you're going to learn from Kurt, I think is really fantastic. And I want you to really pay attention to the buzzwords that I love. Pre-snap read, post-snap validation. And what, that, what you're going to see, and the reason why I love this so much, is you're going to see a concept of, of a route tree in which... Lamar Jackson is supposed to read the play from the right side of the field to the left side of the field, from right to left. And he does that, thinks he has an open man, gets rid of the football. However, there's a key at the beginning of the play where the defense shows you shouldn't read it right to left. You should actually go to your left first. And that's, that's one of these great conversational pieces of how pre-snap read, post-snap validation works. The average quarterback is a robot to the coach, so they can then blame the coach. They say, hey, they'll, they'll say stuff like, hey, I'm just running the play that's called. Hey, I'm just doing what I'm coached to do. And they can say, I'm supposed to read this from right to left. I saw a guy open on the right, so I threw the ball. But a quarterback that does the dirty work, that studies film like crazy and brings questions to the offensive coordinator and says, I know this is how we do this play, but if I get this look, it's taken away. Shouldn't I look over here? And I want you to watch how Lamar Jackson doesn't pick up on that. And here's where it gets fascinating if you want to learn about body language. At the end of the play, watch the receiver that's running the quick out to the left. That one throws his hands up in frustration because he's open. Okay, here's Kurt Warner, quarterback confidential, talking about one third down situation in which the Ravens ended up short. Okay, here's another third and short. So this particular play, and you know, the Chiefs do a great job of disguising as always. So they're going to run a slant flat over to this side, and then they're going to have this combination here where they're going to hook and run to the flat. Okay, so neither of these concepts is great against cover two. So what we're really looking for is down here on the bottom, I'm looking for a one high look. Now it looks like it could be a one high look. Um, and up on the top, I'm looking for anything where the corner's off. Now the good thing is, I know I've got the corner off on the top no matter what. So for me, I get it. Lamar Jackson thinking he's going to have Two on two right here, trying to figure out who's going to cover the back. So maybe thinking that he's got this guy going man to man on this guy right here, but they fool him with the coverage. They run back to a cover two look to that side. So Sneed stays down. They pop another guy out to that hook. We've got a guy kind of holding in the middle over here. And so as we come out to throw this, and even though Sneed chases inside okay, do for me a, a favor, second, stop it here just a his second. responsibility. We're going to get back to it in a second. I want to update those of you that are just listening to the podcast right now. And you hear Kurt Warner saying, this guy, this guy, this guy. 
guy. For those of you that are watching right now on WTSM TV, I'll get back to it in just a second. What he's talked about is the slant flat and the hook flat. Okay, that's a combination to where it's difficult for me to cover because if you run a slant, you're taking me as a defender into the middle of the field. A slant is really simple where I'm running either not at all up the field uh, vertically and I'm immediately turning towards the middle of the field or I'm taking about two or three steps up the field and then I'm running a slant so I'm going across the field at an angle. Okay, like a corner route means you're running to the corner on your side. A slant, this isn't really what it is, but it's almost like you're running to the opposite corner of the end zone from one angle to the other. Okay, so you're coming across the field, but you're still creating depth. You're not running straight across the field. You're running at a little bit of an angle. So then you have some depth. So as you run your slant, Somebody runs a, a, a little bit of a flat route right underneath me. I hope I did a good job of explaining that because imagine I'm guarding you and then you run across the middle of the field. As I have to go with you, somebody like a running back comes out of the backfield and they just simply run basically straight to their coach. They just run almost straight out of bounds, barely getting up the field. Well, now my teammate has to somehow fight through me covering my guy to get out into what's called the flat, which is the area outside the uh, kind of like off the tackles is the flat. So very shallow, not very deep, just off to the sideline, kind of outside the numbers. That's the flat. So what you do is you design pass patterns that confuses people. You heard him say they've got a cover two look. Well, what that meant was you have man-to-man coverage from a, cor- from a corner and a linebacker, and then you have a safety right there over the top of those two. Okay, with a cover two look, I don't want to throw to the cover two side. On the other side of the field, which is to Lamar Jackson's left, or which is the top of the screen if you're watching on WTSM, where Kurt was talking about off corner. He knows he's got an off corner here. That means this corner has to drop back because if he doesn't, this could be a big gain. Well, if you're on third down and it's third and three and you've got an off cover, uh, off corner, you want to go there because it's only about getting the first down. Move the chains. But if you're not good at reading defenses, you quickly get the ball out to the very first guy that you see that you think is somewhat open instead of allowing the coverage to dictate where you go. The pre-snap read should have said to my left, I've got an off corner. That means I should look there. The post-snap validation is as soon as that corner shows that he's actually playing a safety and drops back, that's going to open up up one of the two receivers there's three receivers to Lamar Jackson's left once you see somebody drop back that proves the other two guys can't cover three receivers somebody's going to be open all you have to do is watch which way the linebacker goes you heard him say at the other side of the field he had hook flat 
That's simple. That means one guy's running up the field and he's just simply turning back to his quarterback. And while he runs up the field to carry the defender, the other receiver runs right underneath him, in a sense behind him into the flat. And now he's going to be open because that linebacker has to, linebacker has to choose. Am I going to cover the hook or am I going to cover the flat? So all you have to do is look at him. You just watch him. That makes this play so easy if you studied if you understand that I don't like what I have to my right, it doesn't matter that my progression says start at the right. They're in a cover two look over there. They're not an off corner on third and short. I'm probably not going to be able to complete that. Break away. Don't be a robot. Understand what the defense is doing because that's how defenders fool you. That's how defenders look at quarterbacks that don't do their job well and say he's not going to figure it out. We know the progression is going to be to his right. We will show him a look over here that he will still go to so we can defend it well. That's why I love this kind of breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Football is chess with 300-pound pieces. I've told you I hate the NFL. I can't stand it. The people that are running it, I feel like are crooks. I feel like they cheat. I feel like that they rob us, the things they do, and try to lie to us about their teams. I can't stand it. But the game is awesome, and it's awesome for reasons exactly like this. Izzy, if you could, keep Kurt Warner going. Is the flat. So he's got flat. This backer inside has slant. And that's why in cover two, we don't ever want to read this side. We only want a middle close side where I can read an underneath defender. We got two underneath defenders over here. I don't want to be here. Now, Snead chases it inside. So maybe with a good throw here, we can catch this, turn the corner, and maybe get there. I don't know if he's getting there. I don't know if he's getting there. So really, what we need to see right here for Lamar Jackson is pre-snap tells me I've got corner off to that side. So the left. Worst case scenario, I'm going to read hook flat off of that defender. Now, no problem thinking, oh, maybe I have it on the backside, but on the snap, Lamar's got to see this guy. This guy goes back to the deep half. That's the He's got to work his, his right. eyes right back to the front side now, and there's the read, right? He stays ducked inside. Here's our throw. There's our first down. We're moving the chains. Another win for the Chiefs. Fooling Lamar. Pre-snap. And then being able to come off, play your responsibility, and then on top of that, Lamar not making a good throw there to at least give Hill a chance. Oh, yeah. That's just so cool to see that and to be able to recognize exactly what's happening and to notice. And that's that's why it's so important when we talk about pre-snap read. As you're coming up to the center, if you're under center, or even if you're in shotgun, you have to see, okay, they're giving me a cover two look. So now I know in a cover two look, my two-man side to my right, I'm going to have one receiver and a running back coming over. That side of the field is probably not where I want to go with it. I want to go to the other side of the field where I have three receivers over there and I have three defenders. 
I probably have a better chance. But the Chiefs are totally outthinking Lamar Jackson. They are saying, we know you read the play from right to left. We are going to disguise what we're doing. And you're not going to be able to tell where to go because you're going to stick to your coaching. You're going to say, hey, my coach, hey, I'm supposed to read this from right to left. And you're going to play like a robot and read it from right to left. So now we're going to show you, we're going to make you think this running back out in the flat is open. Therefore, we know you're going to get rid of the ball early. And in truth, we've got a linebacker over here and a corner and a safety all ready to converge before he can get it. Now, for those of you listening to the podcast, you probably, okay, what even play was that? Do you remember the play when Jones, the defensive lineman, came up the field, recognized a quick out and kind of dropped back a little bit and swatted the ball down with his left hand? Okay, that was the play that he did that. And he was able to do it because the route concept did not create the proper angle to be for Lamar Jackson to get rid of it. So this is also bad coaching or Zay Flowers choking one of the other. Zay Flowers is in the slot. And if you're going to run that quick wide receiver screen, you need to set up your blocks. And the way you do it is you actually fake to the outside. You make it look like you're running some kind of a wheel route. And a wheel route is when you kind of run sideways a little bit and then up the sidewalk of the far side, which is the hash marks up the field. And you just run right along the sideline. You make it look like you're going there. Then you stop. And you turn it into a slant, kind of an out and in move. You kind of go back in towards the middle of the field. In that time frame, your offensive linemen have released and start running down the field. So you want to run in their shadows. You don't want to get ahead of them. But if you stay where you are and immediately run into that space, you're running into the traffic created by your own team. So Zay Flowers did not leave the quarterback space and create room. That made it too tough of an angle for Lamar Jackson to be able to throw it. Lamar didn't read his pre-snap read, post-snap validation, then didn't create an angle with his drop back, allowing the ball to be batted down, and it was covered. It's just, it's all fantastic. It is just all fantastic to me of watching all of that happen. And if you're prepared, how easy it would have been to stop it. Now, why do I tell you this? You know why. (laughs) You know why. This is now officially year two of Kyler Murray in Drew Petzing's offense. And this is exactly the type of things Kyler Murray doesn't do. He Now, he does follow his progressions, okay? He follows his progressions. But the catch is he doesn't understand the game well enough to know to say, wow, they're doing something right now that takes away the progressions. I've got to know the play, know the defense, see it on film, recognize it, and put it into play soon enough that now we make those plays. So what ends up happening, that rush comes in. Kyler Murray gets pressured, and everybody likes to say, oh, the O-line didn't do their job. No, the O-line's trying to go out to block. They're trying to go out to block. And then they'll say, oh, Kyler Murray didn't do this or the receiver wasn't open, so it was a bad play call. 
No, the receiver wasn't open because the defense has to give up something. The defense cannot cover everybody on every play. Somebody's open. And the best quarterbacks that are able to combine mind and body are able to see where is your weakness on this play. Okay, now I'm going to exploit it. If Lamar Jackson would have read that play correctly and realized the off corner is on the left, all I have to do is read whether this linebacker is going to carry the hook or the flat. As soon as I see him go one way, I get rid of it. You only have one read anymore. One, now, this sounds dumb. Once you read the play pre-snap, you only have one read post-snap. One. Now, if somebody in your offensive line gets whooped so fast that you don't have time to make one read, okay, that's not on the quarterback. That's just, that guy got manhandled, that guy got whooped, plays over. Crap happens. But when you don't see it, People will say a receiver didn't get open, the play didn't work, bad play call, bad this, all these other things. And no, it's bad Tuesday, bad Wednesday, bad Thursday quarterbacking, and bad Sunday reading. Now, did Kurt Warner throw a touchdown pass every single time? No, he's not saying he did. But he's explaining what the job is of a quarterback. And I love watching that. So I wanted to give a free plug, follow at Kurt Warner. It's at Kurt11Warner. Follow his quarterback confidential. If you love the game as much as I do, you will learn so much. And boy, is it enjoyable to start implementing the things that you learn from people like Kurt Warner while you're watching the game. And you actually see these concepts. Okay, admittedly, if you're looking at me like saying, Doug, there's no way I can do that. Hey, I'm in my 50s. I learn every day. I watch people like Kurt Warner or when I talk to offensive coordinators. I talked to uh, a guy who calls plays just yesterday and tried to set up my summer viewing to go watch film with him, stuff like that. And and if you start, don't, don't wait. Start now. Start learning at night, watching a couple plays, learning a couple things. Little by little, as good color analysts, mark things up on the board and say, this is what we're looking at this over here this over here you're really going to enjoy it trent green for an example is kind of a boring color guy but man when you get when he gets on the grease board when he's actually doing the telestrator and saying look at this oh it's fantastic he's really really good at stuff like that um troy aikman's pretty good at it uh tony romo will have this year's super bowl He's great when he wants to be, but sometimes I think he kind of showboats a little bit and doesn't just, no, just give it to me. Just, you know, just kind of give me the, the, the goose here. And, and he kind of gets a little outlandish, almost like trying to be John Madden. Like, I don't want, you're not John Madden, just, just give it to me. So he's good, but sometimes I believe he's not as good quite as he thinks he is. Quite as he thinks he is? It didn't sound very good. Um, So hopefully you enjoyed that. Today is Town Hall Tuesday. For next week's Town Hall Tuesday, do me a favor and tell me, Doug, I love that. Man, I ate up your Kurt Warner segment. Or say, Doug, I would have liked that 20-minute segment to be five. If you would have done that in five minutes, I would have been entertained. But man, were you boring. Or tell me you just hated it altogether. And it was a complete waste of time. I really want your feedback on stuff like that because it helps me direct Doug Franz Unplugged to give you the things that you're looking for. All right, coming up next, the debut 
of Isaiah Izzy Jackson running Town Hall Tuesday. All you have to do is tweet me at Unplugged Doug, post something on Instagram, Doug Franz Unplugged, or send me an email, Doug, at DougFranzUnplugged.com. I read your comments, whether you love me, whether you rip me, or whether you ask something weird. Whatever you want, that's what Town Hall Tuesday is all about, and it's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Couple updates if you're interested. Number one, uh, we're, we're still at $1. I didn't get any other money from my uh, mother yet, so I have $1. Thank you, Mom. Um, number two, here are our upcoming events. Please put it on your calendar. What are you doing Saturday? If there's any way you can make it out to Kyrene, the new South Tempe location of Burrito Express, their full-blown grand opening is coming up on Saturday. He's got some pretty good headliners that are coming out as well. Good work, Angel, on getting the word out, getting a lot of people there. I'm going to be there around noon. So if you want to represent the Unplugged Army and you can't get there at noon, please go at any moment. Walk in, say you're in the Unplugged Army. Get yourself a burrito. Best breakfast burrito you'll ever have. I admit to you totally, I feel like sleep. I I get my caught up on my sleep on Saturday, so I'm going to sleep in, get up sometime around 1045, 10 o'clock, watch a college basketball game, shower, and go. And And then I'll get there right around noon. Love to see you out there at Burrito Express coming up this Saturday. South Tempe, Kyrene. Go to burritoexpress.com if you want specific address to be able to help you get there or just tweet at Burrito EXP and Angel will hook you up. Then February, let me make sure I have the date right. February 23rd is our um, show or our event at uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I don't know why I can't find my calendar. Uh, Yes, I was right. Friday. Oh, look at that. I should. I did it. Okay, now, Izzy, you don't know this. I am not smart to talk about pre-snap, read, post-snap validation. I'm not smart enough to be able to remember the mirror effect of being on camera. So I always point the wrong way. Since that display that you've got up is on, my, is on the right side of the monitor, I point with my right hand, and then I'm, I'm stupid. So over here is what's just been written up. Friday, February 23rd, I'll get there for breakfast around 1030. Then I'm going to warm up, and then I'll be on the course at around noon. Tea time start from noon on unplugged at whirlwind.com is the website that should be up. I'm hoping later today unplugged at whirlwind.com to come to our event February 23rd. Please help me sell it out. And if we do great and pack it, I'm going to invite a headlining advertiser that will take unplugged to a new level that where we can actually do some things that make this a high level type of thing. And it's all because of you. So please do whatever you can to come out there, whether it's paying for the golf, 
whether it's coming out for breakfast or whether it's coming out for happy hour afterwards or whether it's coming out for dinner to the to Civlik, I'd love to see you out there coming up Friday the 23rd. I'll be there from 10.30 in the morning until about 6.30 in the evening, but that also includes four hours on the course. So don't show up at Civlik at about 2 o'clock, get mad that I'm not there for two hours and then leave. But there'll be other members of the Unplugged Army. Just walk in. Hey, I'm in the Unplugged Army. Anybody else? And there will be people that'll be around to get a beer with you and, and talk sports. So I'd love to have you out there. Now, go ahead and hit it, Izzy. Here we go. Hear ye. Hear ye. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. It's time to call a town hall meeting. Izzy, do you have any idea how much money I spent on creating that audio file for that voice? I do not know. Uh, the total was zero other than the subscription price to Adobe Audition because I just, I'm the one that said that. And then I just time shifted my voice and all of a sudden it sounded like that. <laughs> so I was highly entertained by that. Uh, this is the way the Town Hall Tuesday works. You contact me. I edit it up if it's way too long. Some of them are long and I like it anyway. And I leave it in. And then I hand it to Izzy. And then if Izzy hates one of you, he doesn't read yours. But if he likes it, he reads it. Uh, Izzy, what you got? Okay, so this first one is oh, this first one is coming from Rick. If I don't knock myself out with the microphone, uh, Rick Rick says, "Tell us a story about you in college." Oh my goodness! Story number one is simply I never got up. Like I would go to a party and I'd sit down, and sometimes I was the coolest guy there, and everybody would gather around the chair wherever I was sitting. And sometimes I was a uh, the words that we use that I, I know Izzy doesn't use. Sometimes I was the dweeb in the room, and then if that was the case. I would still wouldn't get up. I, I like might be sitting in the middle of a yard and like nobody's around me. And then I would just yell at friends to get me beer. Um, but I, I think the funniest story I got for you, and you decide what this says about who I am as a person. There was, I used to do Ohio women's basketball play-by-play. And there was a woman on the team as I was dating Jennifer who had a crush on me. And I didn't know it. And one night out at a bar, she kissed me and I was like, whoa, hey, okay, what just happened here? And then uh, my friend Greg was sitting right there. He starts laughing and then she, she was just drunk. And then I said, you know what? Time to take you home. So I took her home. She tried to kiss me again in the car and I said, you know, I'm dating somebody. And then she said some, you know, naughty things that were kind of attractive at the time, but I, I was dating Jennifer. So I said, no. And then after I said no, I found out from members of the team how mad she was at me. And then she decided to change teams and became a lesbian. So the big question that I've always wondered, was it her decision of if I can't have my dream guy, I'm done with guys? Or was it the exact opposite that if I'm so lowly, I can't even get Doug scum, I might as well give up on men altogether? I don't know which way it goes on that one, but I was, in a sense, the last chance, and she gave up on all of us. So sorry if you had a crush on her. All right, now there's there's story. Uh, there's a big time story. What's next? <laughs> uh, we also have Sergio. He says, "Hi, Doug. I love the show. Oh, I haven't I haven't been able to make it to any events, but I hope to do so soon. I love the conversation about Devin Booker. I voted like crazy in the last few weeks to get him to be a starter. The reality of the situation is that Booker is not well-liked by other fans. I know if you have followed the drama regarding his shoe release and the negative feedback he's getting online, it's a shame. Mm. I think he's a great player that has paid his dues and is the face of our franchise. His relationship with the Jenner Kardashian gal 
Didn't help his case. <laughs> Keep up the good work, and I hope to meet you soon. Wow, uh, Sergio, that's a fantastic email. If you didn't hear our conversation last week, I was talking about I'm actually okay if you voted SGA over Booker in this year's All-Star Starters. I, I, I get it. SGA's been fantastic. But what I don't understand is where's the argument of why Booker hasn't gotten those votes over time. He's had great seasons, so you can't say, well, he's West Coast. Well, OKC isn't West Coast, but it's nowhere near a populated center. And at the same time with SGA, it's not like he's had a track history of greatness and finally getting that paid off. He hasn't been better than Booker over the course of his career. So therefore, whatever reason you try to give why Booker didn't get the votes doesn't fly when you look at Tyrese Halliburton and SGA getting all-star voting. So I brought that up, and that's where you get that information from Sergio. And Sergio, you're right that he's not well-liked, but I wonder why. He does so much for Special Olympics. He has a special needs sister that has taught him so much, and he does so much for the mentally uh, – I don't know if the term is mentally handicapped. I can't – I know that now we don't use the R word. I admit I don't know the politically correct term. But kids with mental de- developmental disabilities, man, he's unbelievable, but he doesn't really promote himself very much other than a small stretch of time going into Valentine's Day. I think that's why, and I think it's because he's such a killer on the road, which I think people should embrace. Uh, what, uh, what's next? This is from a smart man, JG. He says, uh, <laughs> Devin Booker isn't likable. He said in the past, he's been a whiner. He can't take advantage of double teams. He's been absolutely dominated in the playoffs. And like K1, he runs away when the going gets tough. Remember when K1 quit in the playoff games? I think people just don't like Booker. He's crybaby-ish. Does it face the music when he gets eliminated? It would be awesome to just have the nuts to trade Devin. Wow. <laughs> he's very hot and very cold. And he Acts like a little AAU basketball player. He scores 70 in a Suns blowout. Not a team guy. Wow. Um, For those of you that don't know, uh, and I think I have the story right, Steve McCollum co-hosts main event with Dale Hellestray coming up in about 30 minutes or so. It used to be at another radio station, and Izzy was his producer at that radio station, and Izzy would come on air a lot. And they had this long-running debate of, is Devin Booker a superstar? And on the one hand, they, they, they argued two logical points. Steve, to me, was more right in saying he is a superstar because it's not – Devin's fault that the fans don't know any better. But Izzy just refused to accept it. Now, Izzy, have you accepted Devin Booker's a superstar yet? Unfortunately, yeah. Okay, so we've gone there. But you said JG's a smart guy, so you don't like Devin Booker either. No. Not okay, a fan. why not? Well, he's boring to me. He's a really, really boring character. <laughs> and then, then on top of that, I feel like there's points in times where there's a lot of Phoenix Suns fans that kind of overrate him a little bit okay okay Uh, i think you're crazy i admit it and here's the thing devin now the boring thing might you might not be wrong on that because devin believes all trash stays on the court so if you ever get the chance to sit down low i admit i haven't done it in years i would mooch my wife sings the national anthem and she so i used to call up the sons hey do you need jennifer to sing the national anthem when they were always like oh what should we do doug from doug and wolf's calling for jennifer to sing the national anthem they knew she was good enough but i don't think they loved it when i asked but i knew they would say yes and i just wanted to sit in the black seats so i just used my wife for the cool seats 
<laughs> so anyway, you when you 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 notice guys that talk a ton of trash, but they keep it on the down low, so they seem boring. And Booker is one where he's not playing the game to get anybody's attention. He's just a killer. That's why I love Devin Booker exactly because of that. Uh, what's next? Uh, this is from John. He says, on Friday, January 26th, I went to the New Burrito Express and he dropped your name. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Number one, thanks. Number two, I'm dying to know about the reception of it because I would assume the average teenager, average 20-year-old person who's running a counter at a Burrito Express, if you walk in and say, hi, I'm in the Unplugged Army, the way I think that goes is they turn around to some manager and go, there's somebody else from that army having no idea what's going on. So I wonder how the reaction was. So thank you. That's exactly what I need from you as a member of the Unplugged Army. But I do, I I want more depth. So do me a favor, write back to town all Tuesday and give me more depth. All right, what's next? Uh, This is from AZ Brew Crew. Uh, This is totally a non-sports related question, but I always thought TV stations on the East Coast had call letters starting with W, while the West Coast stations started with K. Mm -hmm. Why does WTSM have a W call sign? Hashtag Unplugged Army, hashtag Alphabet Questions. That's fantastic. Number one, is he asked Jeff Weir Production if he was even paying attention to you at all? And if he was, I'd like him to rein in because he'll know a little bit more about this than me. I know the history of radio and television. I don't know the history of WTSM. So let me help out with the history first while Jeff Weir Production kind of finds out what's going on. A long, long time ago, it used to be something to do with the telegraph and people that were telegraph operators in order to, to know where it came from, they started call letters. And then ships at sea started call letters, and it's something about where you were was a W or a K in the United States. So then now it's run by the FCC. But originally, I don't know if it was the Department of Interior or whatever, but they decided stations that are, this is funny, west of New Mexico would get a K. And stations east of the Texas, uh, the the Arizona New Mexico border, they would get a W. Then about ten years later, they said that's dumb. Let's just make it in the middle of the Mississippi River. Well, some stations already had a W, and they said we're not getting rid of our W. So that's why there's some stations that are west of the Mississippi that still have a W. There's one station in Pittsburgh, KDKA. They called themselves KDKA before coal letters were even coming out. So the they decided fine you can keep your KDKA. So that's your track history of why stations have call letters to begin with. Now we are not on a broadcast tower tower we stream so we actually don't even need call letters so i have no idea why we are wtsm i know the tsm stands for two second media but i defer to jeff weir production jeff why do we have a w yeah when when chris and i were discussing that we decided we wanted to go with the call letters and we are from tennessee Mm-hmm. And that's why we went with W instead of K. We originally were going to go with K, but KTSM TV, we tried it, and the uh, the talent that we had at the time, I'll go ahead and say it was Joe Paquino. It was very hard for him to say KTS or KTSM TV. Really, it was hard for everybody, not just Joe. To to his credit, it was hard for us to even say so. 
we just like, okay, we're going to get rid of that. We're from the East Coast. We're from Tennessee. So we decided to go with WTSM TV. And it just rolls off the tongue. Now, here's not? a crazy question. Why even have call letters since we don't need them? Uh, that's a, a good question. Oh, okay. We just decided to go with it because we're a TV station. We're not regulated by anybody or anything. Right. But we just wanted to to do that because it's kind of old school. Okay, okay. And uh, we just decided to go with WTSM TV. That, that's a good answer. That's yep. a good answer. I, I never have a problem with the answer of of being old school. Now, personally, I I want to change it to K I Z Y Kizzy, and and then for we can cover the K, and and then it's Izzy on sports. So I like to say I'm Doug Franz on Kizzy. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of that. All right, what's next, Izzy? Big fan of that, too. Big okay, there you too. go. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from Robert C.A.Z. Congrats on the new studio. One critique. I have no expertise in this, but the mic is covering Doug's face. Some would say that's a benefit, but it looks weird. Hashtag Unplugged Army. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But Jeff Weir Production said he's going to work on that this week. Uh, what's next? <laughs> uh, this one right here is from Farmer Braxton. You're not going to like this. The Unplugged Army should answer the call. Oh, okay. This is cool. Uh, what my, my, my favorite American is, is George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Benjamin Franklin. They're all kind of in this group for what they meant to America. But if I'm making a Mount Rushmore, my four greatest Americans, Jackie Robinson is in that group. I know that's like, wait a minute, when you talk about some of the things the founding fathers did. But when you, when you learn about the life and times of Jackie Robinson, the guy is unbelievable as a human being. And oh, by the way, he's the first ever rookie of the year batted 300 his rookie year playing a position he's never played before while his wife was getting death threats okay love jackie robinson well some nut job came through a wichita park and cut off the jackie robinson statue that was there at its ankles and hauled it away and they have no leads and there were no cameras and farmer braxton posted a picture of the statue and said the unplugged army should get involved and I love the fact that he did that. I don't know where to donate yet, as of yet, to what Wichita group to donate money to. Once I find out, Farmer Braxton, I'll tweet that out. However, if you just want to get money into good people's hands in the meantime, I would send it to the uh, base, the Negro League Hall of Fame in Kansas City. I don't know the official address, but it's at 18th Street and Vine. So it's either 18th Street or Vine, so you'll know you have the right address. Put care of bob kendrick he's the executive director i think bob will remember me and say if you guys need this money great but i'm donating it to help wichita build the statue and they're really good people there and i promise you that's a way to get them money and i'm gonna follow your lead farmer braxton it's a great idea what's next Oh, I don't hear you. I don't hear you. Hit your mic. This was from, this was from NFL one two one twenty one White. Okay, Doug would pass on Marvin Harrison Jr. and wants them to take a QB in round one. What a joke! Load up on the roster: wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge, defensive line, corner, uh, guard. Harrison Jr. is the best player in the draft. I would say that's that's a really bad tweet. And the reason why is really simple. If you just if you disagree with me, just say it. Hey Doug, I disagree with you. This is why. When you go with what a joke, 
I am very confident in putting my opinions on the draft over the last 30 years versus your opinions on the draft the last 30 years. And I guarantee you I will win. Guaranteed. That's why that's a bad tweet. I am all for having a conversation. I'm all for somebody disagreeing with me. But when you go, what a joke, that's kind of an ignorant statement. Number two, I'm highly confident you didn't listen to the full discussion I was having. I think that's in relationship to a great talk Steve and I had about the draft. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is fantastic. If the Cardinals draft him, I am not upset about it. However, I don't think they're anywhere near a playoff team. Not even close. I think they need so many pieces, I would trade down. Then I would draft Joe Alt, and then I would trade down again with Houston's pick. Now that I've got a multitude of picks to be able to get corners, pass rushers, and maybe even wide receivers, then I'm looking at my pick at number 30, 31, 32, if I was able to trade down, and I like getting a fifth-year option on a Bo Nix because you're going to have to start thinking about the future pretty soon. And think about this. It's only been one year Kyler Murray's been healthy all year, once. So you can see, if you're an intelligent person, you can see the logic in what I was explaining because I like, and also because I like Bo Nix that much, but he's not a value anywhere else in the first round. He, it's a better pick to draft Bo Nix in the second or third round if we're talking about value. But if I'm doing it for a backup quarterback that I believe is going to be an excellent starter, I got to have that fifth year option. That's why. What's next? This last one right here is coming okay. from Gene Lilly 14. Thanks to AZ Bobby Mack for being on the show today. Love the interview as usual. Oh, thank you. I, uh, Gene, that really means a lot. Uh, Unplugged Army, if I could always ask you to do that, I love simply thank you notes. And the reason why I'm such a big fan of thank you notes is when you tweet out or you post on Instagram something about our guest and you tag our guest, our guest sees that. And imagine, and I'm not trying to be silly here, imagine a guy comes on the show that maybe, now we know Bobby Mack really well, but maybe we don't know somebody all that well. They come on our show, suddenly they look at social media throughout the next day or two, and the guy's got 100, 150 thank you notes of people saying, man, really enjoyed you coming on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Now that guy's going to go, wow, I, I should consider coming on more often, or I should do that. Wow, Doug does good things for us. And that way we get better and better and better guests all the time. So it's kind of a way for you to help me improve this show whenever you send out thank you notes. I know you're busy. Okay. And it's kind of weird. I'm kind of putting part of my job on you. I know you could look at it like that, but trust me, I tell them thanks. I send them a note as well. And it also, for an example, imagine this. Let's take the Arizona Republic for an example. The Arizona Republic at AZ Central is one of the most visited sports websites in the, in the city, okay? It's right around it's usually the number 1 sports visited website in Phoenix. Imagine if they came into an agreement with WTSM at some point. 
And in that agreement, they start carrying Doug Franz Unplugged, the main event, iOS, and they start having a link to WTSM, and we start having them on, more of their columnists, more of their reporters, to give us a little bit more of the inside scoop. For me, for an example, I'll just be blunt with you. I'm a pretty good insider when it comes to front office stuff. I still have a lot of friends from after getting fired that work in different offices or different parts of our community within the sports realm. Okay. But as I've been removed a little bit from clubhouses and locker rooms, Cardinals, because they don't want me other teams, mostly because I'm selling and producing and doing a lot of other things to keep the podcast running. I can lose my connection with players and I really want to have more of them on do more things so you jumping in with the thank you notes you reaching out to them saying man I loved you coming on that really opens the door for that to happen more often so imagine if Bobby Mack came on the show and all of you tagged the AZ Central Sports Department and said thanks AZ Central for having Bobby Mack on Doug Franz Unplugged loved having him on then AZ Central starts looking at, well, what is this? Okay. And then maybe they start helping WTSM. We start running some commercials for them. It becomes a symbiotic relationship. We both lift each other up and all of our shows get better. That's just me kind of spitballing. I just started throwing out all kinds of stuff. Um, once I start rolling with ideas, I'm kind of kind of boring to be honest i just i just start spitting out a bunch of stuff but you can see how that can grow so gene just by you taking a minute and doing that uh, i really really uh, appreciate it um i have not seen usually about four minutes ago steve mccollum and i sit and talk for a little bit and i have not seen steve come in studio so without even knowing we're gonna stick dale on on television because dale's looking around and going oh wait a minute where's why isn't Steve sitting there? Oh, Willie. Okay, good. Good. Thank you, uh, Izzy. So he just found out. He, I have to ask Izzy just because I'm a concerned person. He wasn't in the accident, right? Just stuck behind it? Yeah, I think he's stuck behind it. Okay. So we just found out that, that Steve is stuck behind an accident, but he's ready to go for a show as soon as he gets here, but he's going to be here in the next uh, 10 minutes. And I have no idea, Izzy, if Dale's camera is all set up, but I'd love to have Dale weigh in on what he says A is coming up. No? Oh, his camera's not set up. Well, then never mind, Dale. Good to see you over there. Well, good. Well, then this gives me three minutes to just rip Dale after getting ripped yesterday for my lotion, my tissues, and my chloroseptic that is sitting just off the corner. You see my 360 here? This is the device that uh, I play, you know, like cool sounds from, like uh, Bull Durham. Bueller. Oh, that's Bueller. You can't handle the truth. Where is the... There, there's Bull Durham. You lollygag the ball around the empty. You lollygag your way down to first. You know what that makes you? You know what that makes you? Larry! Larry! Lollygaggers! Lollygaggers! So, that's the 360, and then just beyond the 360, I have my phone, my keys, lotion, and water. Okay, boring story, but it's the truth. I have what's called a growing nodule into my voice box, so therefore, in order to talk, I drink a ton of water. 
When I drink a ton of water, then I pee a lot in the morning. Then as I pee a lot, I am one of the, thir- and I don't know if Dale's in this group, I am in one of the 35% of all men that wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. I'm assuming Dale is not. He's a long snapper, his hands are in the dirt all the time anyway, so what does he care? So then after that, when I wash my hands, I'm actually allergic to normal hand soap. My hands start bubbling up in weird little hives. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. I've actually had the wedding ring cut off before. This is actually wedding ring number two. Wedding ring number one got lost in intramurals. I thought I could play intramural football with my wedding ring tied to my cleats. I found out after the game I could not do that. So then I paid for i rented a metal detector asked a bunch of friends to walk through the intramural field with the metal detector looking for the ring we never found the ring and we had to get ring number two and then ring number two didn't fit when the finger swolled up and then i i do i do use the word swolled by the way it's kind of hilarious and a long story and then we had to have the ring cut off so there's the story if you wanted to know about that there's the second college story that you got today so i got ripped for all of this stuff over here and yes however as dale ripped me for having lotion over here I will say how much respect I have for Izzy one day because Izzy came into the old studio and said, hey, I noticed you have some lotion over there. Can I use it? I thought, oh, yeah. See? See? So that's why all of this stuff. To the rescue, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I, uh, I, I laugh at and, then, and I mock Dale for thinking he's a true man because he doesn't use lotion. Truth be told, I never use lotion until I moved to the desert. I mean, I don't remember ever using lotion until I moved to the desert. And then, oh, yeah, I, I admit to you totally, I, uh, I, I use it uh, all the time. Dale, even though you don't have a microphone, what's coming up on the show today? And I'll just announce it. A lot of enter- entertainment. We're going to go through your desk. Oh. <laughs> that was pretty quick. And his mic was on, so we got, we, got to, uh, we got to hear that. I don't have a shelf for anything, though, so I'm trying to hide stuff um, off the corner so uh so nobody sees it by the way i i'm gonna do something rude and drive uh the main event because there's one subject that i do want to hear from dale a little bit and it's about injury lies in the nfl if you haven't heard this crazy story with the chiefs Kadarius tony went on a huge instagram rant saying he's not hurt and that the chiefs are lying And the Chiefs said he didn't play last weekend because he had ankle injury, hip injury, and personal reasons. We found out the personal reasons were his wife gave birth. But his wife gave birth on Saturday. So I I, I don't know if he couldn't get over there in time, but they didn't play him. Then they claimed he's injured, and then he said he's not injured. And then yesterday, Andy Reid said, yes, he is. So the player and the team are arguing about whether or not he's hurt, which I find highly entertaining. It's time for... The heater continues. Uh, I was at 18, 2, and 1. Then, let's face it, I got to eat it. Went through a bad stretch of going 3 and 9. Since the bad stretch of going 3 and 9, I am now 8 and 3. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, Last night, I lost a bad game. It was dumb. I liked Virginia Tech at home plus the three and a half against Duke. Duke won by 10. I should have known better, but here's why I like it. Virginia Tech has a great home court advantage, and Duke has North Carolina next. 
And a lot of times when Duke has North Carolina, they slip up. And one of the places they slip up a lot is on the road in Blacksburg. So I like that game, especially with the points. So I really choked on that one. Frustrated about that. I went 2-1 and one yesterday. Every gambler in the world will take 67%. However, I have to admit, one of the games I got really lucky on. I took Sacramento minus the eight at Memphis. And the reason why I did is Memphis was on the back end of a back-to-back coming from Indiana. Sacramento was well-rested. And it's minus eight. Sacramento won 103-94. I got it by a point because Sacramento kept hitting their free throws at the end of the game. It's the only reason why I got it. Vegas doesn't care if you deserve the win. You and I know I didn't deserve it, but who cares? I got it. And how many times do you lose where you feel like, hey, that shouldn't have happened? So that was a gift. That was a gift. And the other one was just a flat-out slam dunk. Really excited about it. I wish I had the onions to have done it on the money line. But I told you I like the T-Wolves plus the two-and-a-half. And they were on the road at OKC. But OKC had just had a road game and a long trip back to Oklahoma City. I like to go against teams that are on the back end of the back-to-back. Minnesota's good. If I would have taken the money line, that means I don't get the point spread of two-and-a-half. I would have had plus 150 juice. So a little disappointed in myself. I took minus 110, but I still got it right. So I went 2-1 and one on the day. I'm at 1096-959 in nine. Still underneath the magic threshold of 53%. But with a lot of good juices that I've got out there, I'm ahead. And the month of January, holy crap. I don't know what's going on. If I were you, I would not listen to a thing I say in Versus Vegas in February. Not a thing. Because there's no way this hot streak is going to continue. But January has been fantastic. I'm almost up 20 units in the month of January. That's like real-life gamblers would be intimidated by being up 20 units in a month. Now... What does that mean when you're an amateur? That means the crash is going to be hard. The crash is going to be hard in January, coming up in February or March. Hopefully the crash happens in February because I love March Madness. Love it. So I want to be right in March Madness or I feel like I wasted my family's time watching all the college basketball that I did in a city that's not a real college basketball town. I say that as we got the Final Four this year. All right, today... Boston's on the back end of a back-to-back. The problem is both games are at home, so you don't have the travel element in that, so it's usually not that great of an advantage. However, the Pacers are good. They're getting seven points, which is a lot. And I've heard through the grapevine, I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to come back. So with those criteria and the game in the Garden, Pacers are going to want to play well. Huge battle for the Eastern Conference. I'm going to take the points. I'll take Pacers plus the seven. If you care, I think Boston's going to win the game. But I don't I don't like a blowout here. I, I like Boston winning by about four, so I like the Pacers plus the seven. And the other one, it's weird. Both teams are on a back-to-back. The Utah Jazz and the Knicks are on a back-to-back. The game's at Madison Square Garden, but here's the difference. Utah played in Brooklyn last night. 
New York was in Charlotte. So they flew up the East Coast for today's game at Madison Square Garden. Brooklyn just went to bed in their plush New York hotel, and then they're going over to Manhattan for Brooklyn. Big deal. So I'm going to take the Jazz. I'm getting four and a half with Utah. I think I'm going to need every point. But Utah's playing pretty decent basketball. So, again, I like the same thing. Knicks probably win. Maybe Utah wins. But I really like Utah plus the four and a half. I really, I don't love either game, but I like both of the road dogs to be able to use the points and get a victory with the points. And maybe Utah actually wins, but I don't have the courage to take them on the money line today. So those are my two games for tonight. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please do whatever you can to consistently support the sponsors of WTSMTV.com and the sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged, which is one and the same. Those sponsors are Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. I was a customer of Parker & Sons for about six years before I ever endorsed Parker & Sons. It's the only heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical company that's ever been in a house that I own in the city of Phoenix, ever. Because they came to our, our door, professional, treated us well on time the first time I called and every time since, so why would we ever change? That's Parker & Sons. The best burrito you're ever going to have is a burrito, uh, especially breakfast burrito, is Burrito Express. They got seven locations across the valley. I'll see you Saturday at noon. That's on the 3rd at the new location in South Tempe on Kyrene. Please come out if you're a member of the Unplugged Army. The original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged is Bell's National Kitchen, Old Town Scottsdale, just a hair east of Scottsdale Road. It is unbelievably easy to get there. And before spring training starts rolling, it's unbelievably easy to find good parking. It's like the one strip of area where you can park in Old Town is if you're on Scottsdale Road and then you turn east on Main Street and you'll see bells immediately on your left. Best sandwich in all of Arizona is the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. My favorite meal there right now is Mother Clucker Chicken Tenders on the Iceberg Salad. Oh my gosh, the way it mixes with the blue cheese is absolutely fantastic. Rosati Sports Bar is in Chandler, but only the one in Ray and McQueen is a sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. And of course, the presenting sponsor, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Civilic is the restaurant associated with it. Whenever you're interested in golf, please check there first for the tee time and tell them you're a member of the Unplugged Army. And if you haven't done it, sign up for the Whirlwind Plus program. It'll save you money, especially if you'd go for the year package at $2.99 a year. And then every day you golf, you get the lowest rate possible. So you can play at 9 in the morning at the 3 in the afternoon rate. It's that good of a deal. And that's at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Dominate your Tuesday. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.